0: I grew up in the church's parsonage. That's a home the church gives to the pastor's family. It was on 24th Street. My parents coerced us to leave the south side of Chicago to move to Holland, promising us when we got to the parsonage, there would be a surprise. In my childhood imagination, I figured it was gonna be a life-size portrait of Aslan hanging in our family's living room. It turned out to be a pool. How much cooler All summer long, the t-ball team and the cheerleading squad and the neighborhood kids and all of our friends, we'd lay around and we'd play around that pool. Just next to the parsonage was an empty lot, our field of dreams. We'd play baseball and soccer. It became our Frisbee golf course. and At one point in my life, I even turned it actually into a real golf course, but I mowed the lawn so short that I killed a patch. That put an end to my golfing career. Uh, Brandon DeBeau, a neighborhood kid, one, one summer weekend, we were reenacting the 1984 World Series between the Tigers and the Padres, just the two of us, which makes it kind of hard. He was practiced swinging his bat and nearly hit me across the face. That ended the series. Uh, Sean Zonabelt, the day after his dad was killed in a plane crash, he and I walked across that empty lot, made our way over to the tree fort behind the youth house. We just kind of sat there together. Behind the lot was the, the parking lot, and during the winters my it became our sledding rink. My dad would tie the sled behind the car he called the gray goose and and drag us around that frozen parking lot at warp speeds, incredibly dangerous. And then in the summer, that same parking lot became the arena f- for the hookster boys and the brown kids to play uh, cops and robbers. We loved the Michigan summers. I'd mow the lawn of the neighborhood, early in the morning, get my $6.50 and a Dove Bar and a 7-Up, run over to South Shore Pharmacy and pick up a pack of baseball cards. And then I'd come home late morning, just before lunch, and you know what I did all day long? I played. I would play all day, sitting by the pool, jumping off the diving board, cannonballs. My sister Becky and I, we'd take our towels and we'd twist them into a whip and we'd wage war on the beehive up against the pool shed, which lasted all about five seconds. And then finally, the sun would go down, it would dip down below the horizon, and that's when things got exciting. All of the neighborhood kids would converge on that empty lot, and we'd play an epic game of ghost in the graveyard. I think you can still call it that. Usually the oldest would be the it, but sometimes it was the youngest because they had no say in the matter. And if justice prevailed, we'd all put our feet in the middle, and someone would start the rhyme: "Eeny, meeny, miny, mo." And if it landed on your toe, and you were smart enough, and you were quick enough, and you you would add a verse. My mother said to your mother in hopes that your toe wouldn't be drawn. And finally, someone would be sick of it all and say, "I'll be it." And then the it would start the song: "I wish I may, I wish I might." I hope to see a ghost tonight. And all the kids would scatter into their hiding spots. And the it would start counting. Ten, nine, eight. And we would find our spots. And then as the it got closer to the end, he'd speed up. Three, two, one. Here I come, ready or not. And silence. Kids hiding in their places. The kid behind the pool shed. Such a terrible place to hide, he'd be caught first. And the other kids who thought the porch was a good idea, they were wrong, they'd be hidden. But it was that smart kid, the kid who found the lost city of Atlantis hiding spot, the spot no one could ever find. That kid's the one who prompted the rest of the kids to shout out, ollie, ollie, all come free. Or come out, come out, wherever you are. I loved those Michigan summers and our epic games of Ghost in the Graveyard. The whole neighborhood listening to us shout, "Ali, Ollie, I'll come free. Come out. Come out, wherever you are. Most of that was just for fun. Thanks for letting me reminisce. We'll see if it comes back to us. We've been on our way with John. That's what we're calling it, on our way with John. Walking our way through John's gospel grab a friend, find a journal, start a bible study. You can do that. If you need some help along the way, NT writes John for everyone and Leslie New begins The Light Has Come. Today it's John chapter 3 verses 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, and just for the record and aside, the Pharisees were the the religious leaders, they were the ones who knew the story. They had studied the word. They were the keepers of Torah. They were the followers of the rule. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who comes from God. Because no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus said to him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. Nicodemus said, how can one be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb? And Jesus said, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. You should not be astonished that I said to you, you must be a born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus asked, how can these things be? Jesus said, you're a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, yet you have not received our testimony. If I tell you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe when I tell you of heavenly things? No one ascends to heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they do not believe in the only name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Those who do what is evil hate the light. They do not come into the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's John chapter 3, 1 through 21. Feel a little sheepish, actually, about this sermon. Sort of approach this. Passage a little bit like Nicodemus, hearing Jesus talk about being born from above and being born of water and spirit and the wind blowing where it chooses. And my mind's kind of blowing in the wind, too. And Nicodemus says, How can these things be? And I'm like, Yeah, Jesus, to put it more contemporarily, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, You're a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things. And I'm a preacher of this passage. And I've got some questions, too. Let's spend a little time with that born from above. But let's not skip over, for God so loved. Can you imagine? For God so loved the world. Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one can see, this is verse three, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And then adds a layer or two, this is verse Five, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Born from above, born of water and spirit. It's fascinating. We've used that kind of language, born from above. Christians have used that sort of language to refer to a date and a time, a moment and a story to, to verify the veracity of our faith. We say things like, I'm a born again Christian as opposed to the other kind of Christians. I'm not exactly sure that's what Jesus has in mind, though. As wonderful as that experience may be, and the story you can tell is, I'm not exactly sure that's what Jesus has in mind. A moment, and a date, and a story, and an instant. But rather, a life The evidence of regeneration, that's the the Christian story's way of talking about being born again or being born from above or being saved. The evidence of regeneration is your life. Nicodemus shows up to Jesus at night, which is kind of interesting because later Jesus would go on to say, those who hate the light... Don't come to the light because their deeds are evil. Jesus is inviting Nicodemus out of the hiding, out of the shadows, out of the darkness, into the light. He's inviting Nicodemus into the big, huge, broad story of God's salvation. Nicodemus was a religious leader, Nicodemus was in on the story. Nicodemus was the keeper of Torah. He practiced the practices and paid attention to the habits. And it's to that one, Jesus says, there's so much more unless you're born from above, unless you're born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, the, For Nicodemus and the Pharisees, the fence was tall and the circle was small and Jesus wants to blow it all up. Jesus says, whoever believes, Nicodemus knew the practices. Nicodemus studied the word. Nicodemus paid attention to the habits. Nicodemus, if I could put it this way, went to church a lot. And it's to that one Jesus wants to blow up the categories. It's to that one Jesus says, born from above, born of water and spirit. The wind blows where it chooses. The evidence of a regenerate life is not a spiritual birth certificate. I'm borrowing from N.T. Wright. You don't prove you're alive by going back to your birth certificate. Your life is the evidence that you're alive. In the same way, to be born from above, to be born of water and spirit is not to point back to something that happened some long time ago, but your life. This is why the Bible insists over and over and over again to live a different way, to live by a better story, to witness to a more beautiful way. The Bible says in one place, you once were in darkness, but now we're in, in the light. Live as children of the light. Or in this place, in John chapter three, Jesus says, the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do, do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed, but those who do what is true come to the light, calling us to a different way. The, the evidence of a regenerate life is your life. Or in a different place, the Apostle Paul says, live by the Spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Live by a different way. And fair enough, some of you are probably saying, yeah, but pastor, I slip up and I trip up and I stumble all over myself, which is why we confess our sins, evidence of a regenerate life. And you're saying, yeah, but pastor, I i, I, I don't always pursue holiness i don't always think of myself as all that holy which is why we comport ourselves with humility evidence of a regenerate life and you're saying yeah but pastor i'm in the season of of distance from god i feel like god is absent from me which is why we wait with eager longing for the revealing of the children of god evidence of a regenerate life it's not to say you've got everything right and you do everything perfect but rather to say we pursue the one who is born from above, Jesus Christ. The evidence of a regenerate life is your life. Jesus uses the metaphor of wind. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. The evidence of the wind is the leaves rustling. The evidence of regeneration is your behavior. And Nicodemus and a few of us would agree, how can these things be? And Jesus keeps pressing. Jesus says, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you haven't received our testimony. If I tell you of earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe when I tell you of heavenly things? No one can ascend to heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is the defining moment. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one born from above. The evidence of a regenerate life is your life. The action of regeneration is Jesus Christ on the cross. The action of regeneration is God through his son Jesus by the work of the spirit in your life. Jesus who died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, who took all of the wrongs and the pains and the brokenness and the sin of the whole world on himself to the cross and it died there when he breathed his last and he went down to the grave and he left it there while he rose up in resurrection victorious. Jesus Christ is the action of regeneration and it's evidence in your life is your life. So Jesus starts talking about Moses and the serpent. Nicodemus is like, all right, now I, now I can understand. The, the people of God had been delivered from the agony of slavery in Egypt and launched towards the freedom of the promised land, but between the agony of slavery and the freedom of promised land was the wilderness. And they were wandering their way through the wilderness for so long. And at some point, this is Numbers 21 if you wanted to find it, at some point, snakes, started slithering their way into camp, biting people and killing people and the people were anxious and worried and concerned and God ordered Moses to make a serpent out of gold and place it on a pole and raise it up and everyone who looked on the serpent would live. And Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up What do you suppose Jesus is getting at? What do you suppose Jesus is hinting at? What do you suppose Jesus has on his mind? Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. It's the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's grand accomplishment of salvation. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's manifestation of love for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. The action of regeneration is Jesus Christ himself. He's the born from above one, and we're adopted children. So we simply look to Jesus, just like Moses with the serpent, and they looked on him, on the serpent, and lived. So we look to Jesus. We trust in Jesus. We surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And go the way of Christ in the world. The evidence of a regenerate life is your life, and the action of regeneration belongs to God through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross because he loves so much this reckless, extravagant, boundless, free love. You're free, you're loved. This weekend, uh, we have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to baptize Lydia Snyder. Here's a picture of Lydia just to give you a sense of who we're talking about. Uh, Lydia is a junior at Hope College. She has an amazing story. When she's baptized this weekend, we're, she's also going to share some of her story. I have her permission to share a little bit of it with you now. Uh, Lydia grew up, she would say, in a Christian home though it was very much like background noise for her family. They, they, wouldn't, they didn't go to church except maybe on Christmas and Easter. Her best friend was a Christian, and so they together started a Christian club at their local public school, which sort of opened Lydia's heart to the possibility of maybe attending a Christian college, which is how she got to Hope. All of the paths worn on Hope's campus will eventually lead you to Dimnit Chapel. So as a freshman, Lydia found herself in Dimnit Chapel, And on one day in that chapel, Lydia heard a song by Phil Wickham titled Living Hope. We sang it just a minute ago. And this verse stood out to her Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I'm forgiven. The king of kings calls me his own. Beautiful savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And Lydia would go on to reflect. Hearing that verse for the first time made me really grasp the enormity of what Jesus did for me. What heart could fathom how the God of ages, king of kings, the one who created the whole universe and me became flesh and died for me. It blew my mind. And I remember thinking, this sacrifice was made for me. I'm free, I'm forgiven. How can I keep going about my life with this truth in the background, like white noise? It didn't make sense. And I knew I wanted to live differently and put God as the priority in my life. The wind blows wherever it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it chooses. Dimnet Chapel, your living room, The wind blows wherever it chooses. God so loved the world that he gave his only son this reckless, extravagant, boundless, free love of God for you, for us. In this wild, crazy world, the cold of West Michigan and cases rising and all the concerns that come with it, we look to Jesus, we trust Jesus, and find life. Life in abundance. So here's what I thought we could do. Jonathan and my friend Angela are gonna lead us in just a moment of song, and I want, I want you to reflect. Is today the day you look to Jesus? You come out of hiding. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Ollie, Ollie, all come free, the cross has spoken. Come out. Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. He was a part of the story. He was on the inside. He knew the practices and he paid attention to the habits and and Jesus was inviting him to something more. Jesus is inviting you to something more. So as the ensemble, Jonathan and Angela play, I want you to reflect on where you're at and what God might be calling you to today and then they'll invite us to the table. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.